Greetings and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com, the program in which we study one chapter of Tanakh in each podcast. My name is Yitzhak Et Shalom and it has been a delight, a privilege and an honor to be studying Sefer Divrei Hayamim with you. This is our final podcast as we conclude Sefer Divrei Hayamim Bet with Perak Lamed Vav, picking up after the death of Yoshiahu. Important to note that uh, this chapter covers a much greater span of time uh, then is covered at the end of Malachim, and the end of Malachim is three chapters, Chavkimo, Chavdal, and Chavhei, uh, which cover, as I said, less, but have much greater detail, uh, especially about uh, the destruction of Yerushalayim and the rule of Tzidkiyahu. Here it's all going very quickly, and we do go further into history, as we will see. So Yoshiahu had died, remember, in the war, uh, was killed in his... Uh, Going into battle against the, uh, against Egypt, and so the leaders took Yehoahaz, his son, Vayam Lichuhu, Tachat Aviv Yisholaim. They installed him as king in place of his father. He was twenty-three when he took over. He ruled only for three months. And remember, the king of Egypt was on his way to Ashur um, uh, to fight a battle in Karkamish. Uh, passed through Israel, that's when he or his army killed uh, Yoshiahu, and he evidently felt some sort of hegemony over Israel, as we will see. So the king of Egypt removed him from rule, and evidently, it's certainly possible that the king of Egypt was uh, angered that the people of Yerushalayim had installed a king without asking his permission. So he put a tax on the Leaders on the people, zahav, one hundred talents of silver and talent of gold. So he took uh, Yochaz away, and instead installed El Yakim, his brother, Al Yehoyakim, and then he changed his name to Yehoyakim. Changing the name is a sign of sovereignty. Just as Paro changed the name of Yosef, and just as uh, Belshat, uh, just as uh, the king changed Daniel's name to Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and then uh, the king took Yoachaz with him, uh, who he had deposed, and took him to Egypt. We don't hear further about him. Yehoiakim, as you can see, was older. Because remember, Yehoiakim was 23 when he took over, only ruled for three months, and when he was deposed, his 25-year-old brother was installed in his place. He ruled for 11 years. Uh, the sense here is that he ruled, to some extent, under the thumb of the king of Egypt, and he did that which was evil in God's eyes. And then, we're not told what, but something shifted such that Bavel, who has come out of nowhere, because last we heard Assyria was the ruling nation in the east, now Bavel has rebelled, this is roughly the year 610, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel, comes, and he uh, chained him in uh, chains to take him, to take Yehoiakim to Babel. This is the first time we hear about the Kelim being taken, uh, since Shishak, uh, Melech Yitzrayim, attacked in the times of uh, Rechavam, way back, 
And Nebuchadnezzar took the Kalim of the Beit HaMikdash to Bavel, not all of them, but some of them might name Bavel. He put them in his own palace in Bavel. We will hear about them uh, in Sefer Ezra at the beginning, being taken out of that Heichal. And the rest of the words of Yehoiakim and all of the abominations that he did and all of that which was found on him, meaning either all the things that happened in his day or the sins that were on him, written in and again, Sefer Malachim has much more detail about Yehoiakim. Now his son takes over Yehoiachin. So this is now a grandson of Yoshiahu. He was eight years old when he took over, just as his grandfather was. However, this is the most detailed number that we get. Three months and ten days that he ruled for, a hundred days. He did, that was even in God's eyes as well. The Chuvanta Shana. Chuvanta Shana is a phrase that we're familiar with, um, in, uh, from Shmuel Bet. Uh, 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 in describing the war against Ammon, it may be that a year later, and it may be in a particular point in the year, a very an auspicious date, a special date, the king brought Yehoiachin uh, to Babel, with Kelim, of the precious Kelim of Beit Hashem. Again, as you see, not all the Kelim were taken, and now other Kelim were taken. And then he anointed Sitkiahu, his brother. Sitkiahu was actually his uncle, per se, from Malachim, but here loosely he's called his brother. Uh, and he made him rule, by the way, in Malachim. We're given more detail again, and there we're told that his name was Matanya, and then the king changed his name to Sitkiahu in the same flavor as the king of Egypt changing the name of Eliakim to Yehoiakim. Here he changed them from Matanya to Tzidkiah, and again, that's a demonstration of power, giving the king his name. Tzidkiah, who was 21 when he took over, he ruled for 11 years. He also did that bad in the eyes of God. However, his evil is in, at least, if not also, in a different area, which is in the political arena relating to the Navi. He did not subjugate himself, he did not uh, uh, accept the words of Yirmiyahu Navi in the name of God, which was, of course, famously to accept the rule of Bavel and not to rebel against Bavel and not to sign on a treaty with Egypt, which was what led to the downfall of Tzidkiah and of the kingdom and of the destruction, ultimately, of the city. He rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. He had made it, Tzidkiah, take an oath by God that he would not rebel, and he violated that oath. So there's two problems here with his rebellion. One is that he was told by the Navi not to, and the other is he took an oath and made a chilul Hashem by violating that oath. He made his neck strong and his heart stubborn. Uh, from keeping him from doing any tshuva returning to Hashem, which would mean listening to Yirmiyahu, etc. But all the leaders were also trespassing against God, violating like all of the abominations of the nations, and they defiled the Beit Hashem that he had sanctified in Yerushalayim. And Hashem God of the fathers, in spite of the fact that Ordinim in Hashem's time had said 
this is the end. Nonetheless, and the, and the Ra'ah is there, nonetheless, God kept sending Nevi'im. Malachav here means his messengers, meaning the Nevi'im. Hashkei Mishaloach, early, continuing to send. Ki chamal he had compassion for both his nation and his own abode, the Beit HaMikdash. The people, meaning the leaders, would degrade and deride the messengers of God. They would degrade his words. They would make fun of and scorn his prophets. Until God's anger against the nation was beyond repair, beyond being able to be healed. And God himself brought the king of Kastim, Nebuchadnezzar, against them. He killed the young men through the, with the sword in the Beit HaMikdash. He had no compassion for young men and women, or for old men and hoary men. All of them God gave into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Now all the kelim, the big ones and the small ones, and all the treasures of the mikdash, and all the treasures of the king, and his ministers, now it was all brought to Bavel. So we see three waves of the kelim being taken. They burned the house of God. They broke down the walls of Yerushalayim. They burned all of the palaces, and all of the precious vessels were destroyed. And whoever was spared from the sword was exiled to Babel. And they became servants to Nebuchadnezzar and his sons, until the Persian Empire takes over. And this is where Sefer Malachim had ended just before this, and now these few psukim take us 50 years uh, or so into the future beyond the destruction. Uh, the destruction took place, as far as we know, in the year 586 BCE, and the rise of Paras, which we're going to hear in these last few psukim, took place in the year 539 BCE, 47 years later. Um, note that there is next to no detail about the destruction of the city, no date given here, and in addition, no mention whatsoever of the last story in Sefer Malachim, which is the Babylonians assigning uh, a governor by the name of Gedaliah to be in charge of the Jewish community, and the assassination of Gedaliah, which is dealt with briefly at the end of Malachim, and in much greater detail in the book of Yirmiyahu, is totally elided here. When the words that Hashem gave through Yirmiyahu were completed, meaning the prophecy was fulfilled, borrowing from, the text borrowing here from Vayikra, that the land has now been appeased for all of its Shabbatot, meaning that the that the uh, exile from the land was the amount of sh- years that were the Shemitot that we did not keep, as Yumiao prophesied, Kol Shavata, for the entire length of the time that it was desolate, the land rested, to fulfill 70 years. So 70 years from when, that counting is a little bit difficult. And then, this is again the year 539, the first year of Koresh, now that all of Yirmiyahu's nevod have come true, God inspired Koresh. He sent a message throughout his kingdom, 
וגם במכתב לאמור, and he also sent it out in writing as a decree. Koamar Koresh Melech Paras. This is what Koresh the king of Paras says. God, the God of heavens, has given me all of the kingdoms of the, of the earth. He directed me that I should build a house for him in Yerushalayim, in Yehuda. Who of his nation will have God with him, is inspired by God, and will go up and build. These words are repeated at the beginning of Sefer Ezra to set the scene for the return uh, and for the small waves of return until finally we have Ezra himself coming back after the, sec- the Mikdash is rebuilt. So this sets the, 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 uh, the scene, or this sets the stage for Shivat Zion. Again, something we do not have in Sefer Malachim. But as we see, Sefer Divrei Amim uh, concludes, unlike Sefer Malachim, on a very positive note, on a hopeful note of rebuilding. Sefer Divrei Amim, which was composed and completed during the Persian era, reflects back on, essentially, the Davidic dynasty, taking us all the way through the final end of the Davidic dynasty with the destruction of Yerushalayim and the Mikdash, and then a ray of hope as we are allowed to come back and build the house, and as we understand from, say, for Ezra and from, say, for Haggai, that Zerubavel, who is a descendant of David, is, comes back as the governor, and that that dynasty is, as we say, an Ud Mutzal Mi'esh, a log spared from the fire that can rekindle the um, historic and eternal flame of Malchut Beit David, which really is at the core of this Sefer that we have had the pleasure and the honor to study together over these 65 prakim. Chen chen la'oraita shakoach to all of those who have studied together. We should celebrate our study and as soon as possible return to review Sefer Divrei Hamim and to see it again in the light, as I mentioned in the opening shiur, in the light of the earlier books of Tanakh and see how it offers a different perspective on many of those uh, stories to see what the stories that are expanded upon here, like Pesach Hizkiyahu, and the stories that are totally elided, like most of the stories about the North, the stories about Shaul, sorry, David and Batsheva, that are, that are omitted here, and why they are, are things that here and there we've tried to comment on. In the meantime, wish everybody a wonderful day, and continue with TanakhStudy.com, as Sefer Tehillim is right around the corner in the next podcast. Shalom.